Hi, this is Jeff Steele. Today we're reading Exodus 30, verses 1 through 16. This is what it says. Then make another altar of acacia wood for burning incense. Make it 18 inches square and 36 inches high, with horns at the corners carved from the same piece of wood as the altar itself. Overlay the top, sides, and horns of the altar with pure gold, and run a gold molding around the entire altar. Make two gold rings and attach them on opposite sides of the altar, below the gold molding, to hold the carrying poles. Make the poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold. Place the incense altar just outside the inner curtain that shields the Ark of the Covenant, in front of the Ark's cover, the place of atonement. That covers the tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, I will meet with you there. Every morning, when Aaron maintains the lamps, he must burn fragrant incense on the altar. And each evening, when he lights the lamps, he must again burn incense in the Lord's presence. This must be done from generation to generation. Do not offer any unholy incense on this altar, or any burnt offerings, grain offerings, or liquid offerings. Once a year, Aaron must purify the altar by smearing its horns with blood from the offering made to purify the people from their sin. This will be a regular annual event from generation to generation, for this is the Lord's most holy altar. Then the Lord said to Moses, Whenever you take a census of the people of Israel, each man who is counted must pay a ransom for himself to the Lord. Then no plague will strike the people as you count them. Each person who is counted must give a small piece of silver as a sacred offering to the Lord. This payment is half a shekel based on the sanctuary shekel, which equals 20 geras. All who have reached their 20th birthday must give this sacred offering to the Lord. When this offering is given to the Lord to purify your lives, making you right with him, the rich must not give more than the specified amount, and the poor must not give less. Receive this ransom money from the Israelites and use it for the care of the tabernacle. It will bring the Israelites to the Lord's attention, and it will purify your lives. Okay, so we're wrapping up, or we're close to wrapping up, the tabernacle instructions. There are just a few more things to cover, and uh, it's kind of a miscellaneous list. In today's text, it's the incense altar, and it's the money for the tabernacle. Now, first, let's quickly mention the money aspect and deal with that, because that's where everybody gets all freaked out, right? All the church wants is my money, right? That's, that's what we hear. And in reading this text, it almost sounds like that at certain points when the discussion gets to how much to pay for each person. The text actually goes so far as to call it a ransom. You might get the image of big muscled bouncers at the door of the tabernacle making sure everyone pays their part to come in or pays to get out once they have been in. They pay the ransom. But what's actually happening here is setting up a format for whenever the nation takes a census and what is to be done with that money. And in bringing the money to the uh, tabernacle, whether it's a reminder uh, of who the money belongs to, it's, it's a reminder of who the person belongs to. The term ransom in this text is actually the same Hebrew word as atone or atonement. This is not a blanket statement that paying money makes you right with God, not at all. This is a provision that's to be kept as a reminder of whose you are. It's not about what you give or what you can give. The rich and the poor are actually treated exactly the same. It's about reminding the people that God is the one who redeems them all. It's a good reminder, actually, for us, I think. As for the incense, incense is often used in scriptures as imagery for prayer, and incense was often used uh, in worship, not just in Israel, actually, but in other nations and in the worship of their idols. 
Now, here in Exodus, God has instituted the use of incense to be burned twice daily whenever the priest would take care of the lamps, which we already read about. And throughout Exodus, that is how we will see the incense being used. Now, Israel actually gets into a little trouble later in the text uh, in Leviticus when someone starts using incense that God has not prescribed. Remember, he's very, very specific about every single detail of the tabernacle. So when people start going outside uh, God's prescription for how to deal with things like incense, he has to send he has to send a strong message, and and the priests actually died. Now, much later in the Old Testament, we will find incense being used not just in the tabernacle or later uh, in the temple as it's prescribed, but the people will use incense actually in the worship of false gods. In fact, Solomon, who was the king who would actually even build the temple, and the the temple is what replaces the tabernacle, uh, Solomon had many wives, and many of them were foreign wives, and and, uh, he built altars for them so that they could burn incense to their own gods. Before long, we see that Israel is actually overrun with false gods and idols. And the people are burning incense to them instead of God. And, and the temple gets neglected. The lamps get snuffed out. The incense is no longer burned there. And before long, the nation itself fell and the people were carried away into exile. Picture the incense as the smoke that's rising from the incense altar. Because as long as that smoke is still rising, we know that things are generally okay with the people. It's kind of a symbol of a people who are seeking God. But if that smoke goes out, it's because someone hasn't done their duty or because the people don't care about maintaining the incense altar anymore. And eventually that's what happened. So the incense was supposed to be a continual uh, and, and what could be considered a visual reminder of how things are supposed to be. So I wonder, in your life, what kinds of things might serve a similar purpose? For many of us, uh, church gatherings have a similar function. Now, do you have to be in church every Sunday in order to be loved by God? No, of course not. But there is something to be said about gathering with the the church weekly. It's kind of a visual reminder. It's a habit. And it's also the kind of thing that if you get out of the habit and you don't do it for a while, you eventually notice it. And you might think one day, man, I'm just not feeling as connected to my church or to God as I used to. Well, maybe it's because I haven't been there in a couple of months. You know, I mean, proximity isn't the whole story, but it really does have an effect on connectedness. Of course, incense also uh, represents prayer, so it's really natural to ask about that as well. Are you intentional about spending time in prayer? Twice daily is when the incense was to be burned so that it was almost a continual smoke-filled reminder of worship. So let, let me ask this. If you were to picture your prayer life as a pillar of smoke... What does it look like? Is it a thick cloud of smoke, the kind that you would see from a, a factory smokestack? Is it, a, is it a thin but constant stream of smoke? 
Or is it only an occasional puff on a dry day? Let's take a moment and and pray right now. God, I want to come to you uh, more often. (laughs) God, I pray that... um, that we put things in our lives intentionally that are continual reminders of who you are and of what you've done in our lives, God, the way that you redeem us, the way that you provide for us. And, um, God, when we forget, we let the lamps go out, we let the incense go out, um, remind us, remind us, God, to start those up anew. Um, I, I pray that we're, we're people who are constantly, continually seeking after you today. Remind us that you're there in your name. Amen. Have a great day.